Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. If you listened to my last podcast, it serves as an introduction to this one because last time we talked about negativity bias. Today we will talk about indulgent emotions and the fact that they're directly related. Negativity bias says things of a more negative nature, such as unpleasant thoughts, emotions, or social interactions, have a greater effect on one's psychological state and processes than neutral or positive ones, even when of equal intensity. Meaning, among 20 positive feedbacks, if you get one negative feedback, your brain will dwell on it more. What does that have to do with indulgent emotions, which we're going to talk about today? Indulgent emotions are feelings that you are continuing to feel that don't actually serve you. Indulgent emotions are a direct result of negativity bias. We want the result of a flourishing life, and an indulgent emotion gives you the exact opposite of that. Think of CTFAR, circumstances that lead to thoughts, that lead to feelings, that lead to actions, and then that lead to results. An indulgent emotion is a feeling that leads to no action and therefore no result. Example of some very common indulgent emotions are sadness, worry, self-pity, confusion, anxiety. You get the picture. Those emotions will never get you any result other than more and more mind drama. Indulging in anxiety over hours will result in an anxious mood. Indulging in anxiety for months would result in a temperament and indulging in anxiety for years will result in a new identity, you identifying as an anxious person. This paradigm is directly from a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Indulgent emotions are a direct result of negativity bias. 20 people said, great job on the presentation. One person said the topic was inappropriate for the occasion. Voices in your head will multiply it because of your negativity bias. And then the brain presents it to you like a fact. You indulge in self-doubt. You overhear the boss saying the presentation was informal. You don't know what context he's saying it in. You don't know if he means it as a compliment or a criticism. But you assign it a negative meaning because of your negativity bias. This way you found more evidence for your original thought. This is more evidence for you to lock in your belief where you have believed the negative criticism. This was evidence number one. The next morning you're thinking about the same presentation and how that comment affected you. And you remember that your sister had told you that you have poor choice in clothes. Now you start to doubt your sense of fashion, evidence number two. A few days pass and one evening, after a full day of work, your husband asks you, would you like to eat out or order in? And being exhausted, it takes you a few seconds to make that decision. And in that instance of indecision, you tell yourself, see, you can't decide anything. Self-doubt evidence number three. This self-doubt starting to become an indulgent emotion. This is becoming ever-present. Few months later, you have to open a new credit card. You have so much evidence by this time that you're the kind of person who can't decide or you can't make any decisions So you ask a friend for an opinion. 
They tell you open this card because of this benefit and stay away from that card. You tell yourself, see, they are so much smarter than I am. I could have never made that decision. Evidence number four, or a thousandth, or a millionth, and on and on and on it goes. And now you're locked in an identity of an indecisive person. All of this starting from a negativity bias, which is a thought, that rolls downhill, gathering more and more mass from evidences in your life that your brain picks up, creating more and more indulgent emotions. That snowball effect, over time, finally crashes into a personality. This is not how it works. Don't do that to yourself. It hurts me just talking about it, and this actually happens in real life to every person more than you can imagine. Something negative started that process, and you were unable to call it out for what it is, just a thought. Therefore, that language and programming kept running in your subconscious, creating an indulgent emotion. Because of this inability to identify the root cause of this emotion, you continue to believe that it must be my personality. That is absolutely untrue. Other indulgent emotions are feeling comfortable. People say that is self-care. No, my friend, if comfort is keeping you from doing things in your life and achieving things that you want to achieve, that is not self-care. That comfort becomes an indulgent emotion. Indulging in comfort while calling it self-care will lead to identifying as being lazy. When you use food to make you comfortable, that results in overeating and the result of being overweight. When you want to create a life of your dreams, when you want to break out of your shell, that requires you being uncomfortable. My coach always says that discomfort is the currency to success. Indulging in comfort with Netflix, video games, cleaning the house for the 18th time is not going to get you to your dream life. Yes, you heard me correctly. Cleaning the house can come from an indulgent emotion of comfort. Being a workaholic can be from an indulgent emotion of being comfortable with the status quo. If being a workaholic is keeping you from evolving, then that is from an indulgent emotion. Confusion is another one of those indulgent emotions, and it is very common. Notice yourself during the day. How many times do you actually say the words, I don't know? I don't know this. I don't know that. This is surprisingly common. Another one is self-pity. And again, a product of negativity bias. Why does this always happen to me? Can anything else go wrong? These sentences are on repeat and they become hardwired thoughts that we are just not dealt good cards in life. I can't be successful. I'm not that lucky. I'm always going to be poor. You want more examples, guys? I got plenty where that came from. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about this until hopefully something will click. Busyness is another one of those indulgent emotions. I feel busy. I'm always busy. We are constantly thinking about things that need to be done while not really checking in how much time we are spending just thinking and worrying about being busy. Worry is another huge indulgent emotion. Worry pretends to be so important. We feel like if we don't worry, we will be facing something really dangerous. When you unpack worry, there's really nothing underneath to worry about. There's nothing dangerous there. Notice, worry is never about the past. Worry is always about the future. Because of the fear of the unknown. 
Worry feels productive. Worrying feels like we're actually doing something while it gets absolutely no results. And we continue to repeat that sentence in our mind, I worry a lot. I'm just a worrier. And we wear that sentence like it's some sort of a badge of honor. Like you've stated a fact. Like you were just genetically designed to worry. You were just born this way. Again, none of that is true. So now after all of these negativity biases lead to indulgent emotions, over time resulting in personality traits that we don't like, we resort to ascribing it to genetic predisposition. Our brains get hardwired for negative thoughts, our bodies memorize the emotional state associated with them, and we start blaming our genes. No, a big fat no, that's not how it works. More and more scientific data is suggesting that our genes do not have as much control as we thought they did. Genes are transcribed into functions of our body, depending on how they're signaled. That signal turns the gene on and off, and it comes from our internal environment. Books like The Body Keeps Score by Dr. Basel van der Kolk and When the Body Says No by Dr. Gabor Mate and The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. These works are really ahead of their time, an incredible insight as to how our internal environment changes our gene expression. These books are super helpful in understanding this concept. But one limitation I found in all of their work is that they tell us what to do but not really how. They say our genetic expression is a function of our internal environment. And they tell us to work on changing that environment, but they don't tell us how. Most of the work I've read in this field alludes to the work that needs to be done. They also tell us to seek help, counseling, practice more conscious thoughts. They tell us that for you to feel differently, you have to think differently. But it does not tell us how. And that answer, my friend, lies with CTFAR. Let me explain another way. The internal environment consists of our emotional state, and it could be chronic stress, anxiety, and learned helplessness. Or it could be joy, bliss, satisfaction, and contentment. That is all based on the thought work we apply to any given circumstance. That is CTFAR. Model each and every thought and see what internal environment you're creating. The internal environment is body's chemical state. Gene expression largely depends on this chemical state that the body lives in. Thoughts are under our control, except nobody teaches you how to control them. That is such an utter tragedy. So if you listen carefully, I gave you the secret to life. Gene expression is largely dependent on our body's chemical state. After the Human Genome Project finished, we found out that our DNA is composed of 20,000 genes, which is the same as that of a fruit fly, meaning our genetic imprint is the same as the fruit fly. It is how we express that gene is what matters. So that gene expression depends on the body's chemical state, that chemical state which a human feels as an emotion, a combination of cortisol, adrenaline, oxytocin, endorphins, dopamine, just to name a few. This internal state is the emotion, which are created by our thoughts, which are under our control. So that means that gene expression is under our control. 
a equals b equals c equals d. Therefore, a must equal d. Simple. We keep it simple here, remember? Just so an average human being like you and I can take control of our lives. If this design doesn't just simply blow your mind that you didn't understand me correctly, go back and listen. <laughs> now let me tell you how many clues and instructions our creator sent us describing this exact method. Intentions, like we said before, are heavily emphasized in Islam. They are thoughts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that we have under our control. We have nafs that will pull us down, keep us in the dirt, and shaitan that speaks to that nafs misguiding us. We have a ruh that wants us to evolve. It seeks out our creator, and it strives for the higher purpose and truth. These are the two sources of thoughts. In Akhirah, shaitan will wash his hands off of all the responsibility. He will say, it was all you, dear human. You had the freedom of choice. You didn't choose well. Well, that's because we were never taught we could choose. We were never taught how to. At Islamic Life Coach School, we are here to change exactly that. Pay attention to your emotional state. I am joyous. I am tranquil. I'm suffering. I'm in despair. Your emotions are the knock on the door to identify your internal chemical state. Your brain was placed on top of all of that to control that state. Whatever stage of that emotional signaling, that indulgent emotion you are in, it is never too late to recognize it. Indulgent emotions are just memorized emotions based on negative repeated thoughts. Memorized emotions is actually a term that Dr. Joe Dispenza uses. Don't let these memorized emotions direct your internal state. That same state is responsible for your gene signaling. That is a massive amount of control that you have over yourself as a human. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, Love your brother in Islam for the sake of Allah. Think about that for a moment, you guys. If you think about somebody in a way that helps you feel love towards them, whose internal state are you actually changing? Yours or theirs? The other person does not feel your internal state. Your neurochemicals are forming your emotions. Your love does not jump out of your body and benefit the next person. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directs us to love our brothers and sisters in Islam for the sake of Allah, despite of what actions they might have taken towards us, despite of any harm they might have caused us, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us to love another human being for his sake, he is asking us to stay in control of our internal state. Because if you continue to stay angry at someone, if you continue to not forgive someone, you are only hurting your own self, not them. I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every day for giving us this ingenuity and the design. And I thank Allah for the science and the knowledge that He gave us so we can actually make these discoveries. Now we just have to use these discoveries as a sign to get closer to our Creator. I pray that due to this knowledge, all of us get closer to our Creator, inshallah. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. 
Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah I will see you there.